Welcome back to the Dear Heart and the Brain podcast, where we discuss science and science-based tools in everyday life, particularly neurobiology, exercise physiology, and the nutritional sciences. My name is Jessica Wong, and I am a neuroscience student at the University of Southern California. Today's episode is all going to be about fatigue. Fatigue, at least in the exercise science terms, is a reduction in your ability to perform physical fitness. Fatigue can be slow acting or it can be fast acting and it's largely a function of the work to rest ratio. So as you guessed, more work, less rest will yield higher fatigue, whereas less work and more rest will yield lower fatigue. Fatigue is one of the most poorly communicated concepts in the fitness industry and I'm here to tell you all about how fatigue is not merely a sensation, all right? Fatigue is caused by multiple processes inside the central nervous system and inside our muscles, and it's not about feeling sluggish or unmotivated. So why do squats and bench presses tire us so much? Why does it take so many days to recover after a strong and powerful workout? That's all because of central nervous system fatigue. And if your central nervous system is fatigued, it has trouble activating your muscles. This can get real neuroscience but the mechanisms of central nervous system fatigue include a decrease in the size of excitatory input to motor neurons, an increase in inhibitory input to motor neurons now, or even a decrease in the responsiveness of your motor neuron itself. As always, I wanted to mention this podcast is part of my effort to bring zero-cost consumer public education about science, as it is unrelated to my roles as a personal trainer and as an undergraduate student. So the central nervous system, right, is composed of the brain and the spine. And then the peripheral nervous system, on the other hand, is composed of the nerves and the ganglia that all stem from the central nervous system. You can think of the central nervous system as a computer hardware and software, whereas the peripheral nervous system include the computer's monitor, computer's mouse, and keyboard. Therefore, in exercise, the CNS, central nervous system, by the way, I'm going to keep calling it CNS in the rest of the episode now, is how our body will provide itself with biofeedback under weighted load, and the PNS, which is the peripheral nervous system, I'm going to be calling it the PNS for the rest of the episode too will work to send messages to recruit the muscle units needed to match the task. For example, if you were to bench press 150 pounds, then your central nervous system will create the instructions to bench the weight, and then your peripheral nervous system will subsequently carry out the actions needed on the anterior and posterior chain, your legs, and other stabilizing muscle to do so. When the fatiguing mechanisms occur in your central nervous system, motor unit recruitment is negatively affected. So when we lift, The higher motor units, which are responsible for the most responsive fast twitch muscle fibers, are not recruited. We produce muscle force from the brain to the actin myosin cross bridges inside of the muscle fibers. Contrary to public belief, it's not that the more weight we lift and the more fatigue we get. Research actually shows that it's more about the duration rather than intensity for its primary cause of fatigue. Duration means longer sets, greater volume, and more time spent training, especially if our training is causing more inflammation and muscle damage. In fact, research shows that CNS fatigue is greater during longer duration aerobic exercise rather than heavy strength lifting. So, as you can see, CNS fatigue has its fatiguing mechanisms that act on our ability to produce the appropriate electrical signals leading to the motor unit recruitment. However, when it comes to peripheral fatigue, right, this is only seen in the working muscle fibers and only seen when we lift weights to failure. Muscle damage and metabolic stress occurs within the muscles. This is an example of peripheral fatigue and the effects are local and specific to the muscle you are training. For example, if you tear a hamstring in your deadlifts, your quads will be inherently affected. 
In contrast, in CNS fatigue affects your entire body. The fatiguing mechanisms inside the muscle during exercise can involve metabolite accumulation and calcium ion overload, but each has a proportion that is different depending on the exercise. Several mechanisms for PNS fatigue range from accumulating hydrogen plus ions and inorganic phosphate, insufficient manufacture of acetylcholine at your neuromuscular junction, or even failure of your sarcoplasmic reticulum of your muscle to re- release enough calcium ions. And these are all acute mechanisms and do not produce long-lasting fatigue. So when we perform the exercise up to failure, the highest threshold motor units are trained most effectively. So the question is, how can you separate the two from your fatigue experiences, right? It's hard to distinguish between CNS and PNS fatigue because CNS tends to influence the entire nervous system and is in turn influenced by everything too. CNS fatigue filters down to the rest of your body through biofeedback loops and similar mechanisms. So it's not very clear cut which is which for your fatiguing experiences. So let's get a little bit more neuroscience here. Okay, so the CNS regulates movement um, with two important brain regions. One is called the motor cortex, two is called the cerebellum. These are really important. This means that the things that are getting fatigued in the central nervous system fatigue are within the deeper regions of the brain and not so much of the areas that control movement. When you lift your barbell, right, your muscles are being turned on by impulses sent by those two regions, and the more and faster impulses are sent, the greater the force a muscle contraction will generate, which is why grinding out reps are so hard and requires so much mental focus, okay? When you're grinding out those hard reps, you're also sending a lot of nerve impulses, which is called neural drive, by the way, and you do way too many. That's when um, your your brain has um, a backlash signal signal that tries to inhibit its own output as a protective measure to prevent you from hurting yourself with too much exertion. There's a lot more evidence that CNS fatigue happens in the deeper regions of the brain, such as those involved in mood, emotion, and psychological arousal, which explains why being psyched up can really help performance and maximal efforts and push to increase neural drive. There's some convincing evidence that the ratio of dopamine to serotonin governs central nervous system fatigue and that if you burn yourself out in the gym, then you're likely to see your mood and motivation outside of the gym also affected. Therefore, let's let's sum everything up, okay? There's a lot in this episode. CNS fatigue involves events in the brain and spine rather than the muscles. When CNS fatigue happens, the brain is unable to send enough signals to your muscles to maintain optimal muscle activation, which will steadily increase as the exercise progresses. CNS fatigue, on the other hand, is the result of a lack of energy resources within the muscle, which results in accumulation of lactic acid and other metabolites that cause a burning sensation within the muscle at the neuromuscular junction. Peripheral fatigue tends to be from higher intensity and endurance, and you can reduce PNS fatigue through forcing muscles to adapt by increasing energy supply and waste removal. Before I let you go, I like to note that this isn't necessarily a bad thing, okay? Fatigue isn't necessarily a bad thing because the mechanism is in place for a reason, and that reason is to prevent you from working, overworking yourself. That said, Testing limits from time to time does have some merit, but there's definitely a large degree of adaptation in terms of how much we can tolerate over time. Gradually increasing your workloads and making sure that the work you are doing has intention instead of just being there and doing it can definitely help. That's all I have for you in our episode today, and I wanted to mention that an important feature of this episode is that we deep dive into several topics at a time. 
So by stopping here, I recognize that there are probably so many more other questions. So stay tuned for the next few episodes of this awesome podcast that gets released every Thursday and Sunday. But other than that, I'm going to leave you the same way I leave you in every single one of the Dear Heart and the Brain podcast episodes. Keep that brain sharp, keep that heart healthy, and go dominate. Thank you so much for your time and attention. And above all, thank you for your interest in science.